girls. I'm Sina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to... Two Girls Watch TV. We're going to do our best to keep it under an hour. Unlike Martin Scorsese. Ba-doom-tsh. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. She'll be here all week. You know, that's the second time I've told that joke, and it's just as funny. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a classic. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. To two girls watch TV and also watch drink beer TV. sometimes. You know, a fun thing that I've noticed is that when one of us accidentally talks over the other, that person's voice just, like, low-key mutes its way out. You mute, Is it the Skype? Does I Skype do that? I know. I don't know. It just, it just happened now. Like I was like, I don't know, and you were like, Papa. <laughs> I know Zoom does that. Like Zoom will pick up whoever's the loudest, which drives me crazy. It's like sometimes I want to pretend like I am on the cast of Always Sunny in Philadelphia and talk over my friends. Let me do my thing. <laughs> uh, imagine an Italian family getting on Zoom. Who wins in being the loudest? Oh, everyone's please. everyone's got a yellow box. Everyone's just yelling. <laughs> Oh my god. The whole screen is just like bright yellow and then it reads error. <laughs> Speaking of Italian Americans. The Italians break Zoom. I'd like to see that as a movie. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> no thank you. I'll set that one out. Oh my goodness. Danielle and I are doing, if you haven't caught on, yes. we are going to go into the Irishman. This but is... before we do this, I have some quick fixes. I've decided there is no name for this segment and now it's called quick fixes. Quick fixes. So sometimes Danielle and I screw up because we're human beings. We're human beings. Human beings. And we're not AI. And We're not? Thank... No, thank oh. God. Christine, I have something I... to tell you. Oh my God. <laughs> I like how I said, like, oh, my God, like, dun, dun, dun. I was like, oh, my God. Listen, there have been enough times where it sounds like my brain is literally glitching when trying to form uh, sentences. So I could possibly be AI, and I just don't know it. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I often find myself short-circuiting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So since we're not perfect, we're going to do some quick fixes. We're going to call them quick fixes. And then like eventually we'll throw in some jazzy music here to like make you feel better about our mistakes. Quick fixes. Or is that too much like a uh, Hot Pockets? It is. Oh, that's <laughs> what that is. I was like, what does that sound like? Why does that sound so familiar to me? It reminds me of college. <laughs> it reminds me of Jim Gaffigan. Oh, I love. Okay, stop. We have to Sorry. get. No. We are not making a Scorsese film here, Danielle. (laughs) Some quick fixes that I have from Where'd You Go, Bernadette? So, Inglorious Bastards, Danielle, is not a comedy. It is a war drama. I looked it up, too. I saw that it was nominated at the Golden Globes as a drama. I saw it. 
Okay. So it was actually nominated four times at the Golden Globes. Um, Christopher Waltz won supporting actor in a major motion picture. It was nominated for best screenplay of a motion picture. It was nominated for the drama, best drama motion picture. And it was also nominated for director of a motion picture. It was not nominated in the comedy category because it is not a comedy. So I figured that we would clean that up a little bit. It's Christoph Waltz. It is. And you said Christopher. What did I say? Christopher. Oh, I said Christopher. <laughs> it's Christoph. Christopher. Christopher. Extra Sorry. quick fixes. Yeah. Quick fix on my quick fix. Well, you know, not AI. What can I say? I did find out that the Golden Globes, back in 1951, the association decided to divide the best film category for actors and actresses into two categories for drama and musical or comedy so that no genre would be slighted. However, there are more more genres than just musical slash comedy and drama. I digress. So I couldn't find anything on the Golden Globe Awards website that discusses the qualifications and I refuse to read Wikipedia. So I'm going to keep looking on that. Maybe by next episode, I'll have some more information for you there. Gotcha. So that ends our quick fixes. That, thank you for uh, throwing that in. That's very interesting that in 1951 they decided to divide it up. Yes. Yeah. Listen, you come here, you learn things. That's our motto. <laughs> Put that on a mug. So nominations. This was nominated at the Oscars for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for both Joe Pesci and Al Pacino, Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, Best Director Martin Scorsese. Then at the Golden Globes, it was nominated for Best Motion Picture Drama, Best Performance for an Actor in a Supporting Role, again, both Pesci and Pacino, and Best Director Martin Scorsese. So, whew, lots of nominations. All the nominations. All we should them. also say that this is available on Netflix for streaming. So we said that we were going to tell you where to get things. And Danielle and I, with the exception of when we released Parasite, everything that we've ever done is always um, available on a streaming service. So you just have to pay that membership. So yes. we're going to start to tell you where to watch the things. Or you, or you find a friend who has that streaming service and be like, hey, let me get those login details. Which we do not condone. Oh, yeah. But we've just heard somewhere that that's what people do. You know what? It's a theme. Sometimes sometimes it is what it is. Also, I want to make a note (laughs) that Parasite is currently streaming on Hulu for free now, which happened after we paid for it. Yes. Yeah. We're not salty about it. We, oh, 100%. (laughs) Christina's making a salty I'm like twitching. Face. You could find me at the bottom of the sea. That's how salty I am. <laughs> Christina looks like she just sucked on a lemon. I was short-circuiting. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not AI. <laughs> all right. So the Ooh. summary is super short to make up for all this banter. This is the story of a few aging men in the mafia. We hear from Frank Sheeran's story, how he got involved with his quote-unquote friends, Russell Buffalino and Jimmy Hoffa and the like. Our story begins with Frankie driving trucks. It quickly turns to painting houses. Bada boom. I added the bada boom. It wasn't in there. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's it? That's it. Oh, wow. I like it. All right. So let's get into our characters. This followed suit of a Scorsese mob movie. Lots 
of characters, but instead of actually introducing them in the beginning like Goodfellas per se, characters are introduced in conjunction with whatever scheme they're in the middle of, and also Scorsese chose in this movie to introduce a character, then list how they're going to die. So really a movie about death, if you really think about it. Most characters, not all of them have lists of how they died. Yeah, because we find out in the end, but in some cases, a lot of the characters are like, shot in the head, disappeared, died of natural causes. Thank you, Scorsese. (laughs) This is told from the point of view of Frank Sheeran, played by Robert De Niro. He's a teamster from Philly, a war veteran, who starts letting meats, quote-unquote, fall off the back of his truck conveniently at mob-owned restaurants. Um, he gets into some legal trouble and is represented by Bill Buffalino, played by Roy Romano, who is cousins with Russell Buffalino, played by Joe Pesci. Russell Buffalino is part of the mob and takes a liking to Sheeran, and Sheeran starts, as Christina said, painting housing, how, painting housing, painting houses for the mob. Short circuits. Da, da, da. Um, Painting houses for the mob, a.k.a. whacking guys, I guess is the the soprano term for it. You get the ultimate (laughs) da-da-da. Someone comment if they know what a da-da-da is. Not a do-do-do. Or or if you've gotten one. (laughs) A do-do-do is something very different than a da-da-da. Do you know what a do-do-do is? No. You know the the center... Sounds like an Italian fart. (laughs) My friend Danielle says this. Uh, you know the center of the paper towel roll? Oh my god. That cardboard center? That's a doot doot Because you go around and go doot doot Oh my god. <laughs> da da da. Something different. Anyway. I feel like if an Italian mafia person was a clown, this would be his act. <laughs> Sebastian Maniscalco hit us up, who was also in this movie. All right. Oh, <laughs> so I love that man so much. So much do I resonate with him and his jokes. I was watching him this weekend. He's hysterical. Also, if I may once more interrupt you, I apologize. Go ahead. I didn't plan this, but I painted my house. (laughs) Not the way that painting houses is done in this movie, but with, you know, paint brushes and paint rollers. Yes. And physical paint. I actually painted my house. My room, to be exact. It's very nice. I wanted to say that in the beginning, and I messed it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, where are we? Blah, 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 whacking guys. Okay, Sheeran is introduced to Jimmy Hoffa, played by Al Pacino. What? (laughs) Where are we? Whacking guys. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's different energy on a Memorial Day weekend. Anyway, we're recording this on Memorial Day. Yeah. <laughs> we're in a giggly mood right now. All right, where was I? Sheeran is introduced to Jimmy Hoffa, played by Al Pacino. Jimmy is the president of the Teamsters, a labor union for drivers who has close ties with the mobs. Uh, Sheeran paints a house for Hoffa, and then Hoffa uses the Teamsters' $8 million pension fund to deal out loans to the mob. So, good stuff. Like I said, lots of characters, so I'm just going to go through, like, two B-list characters. We got Harvey Keitel playing mob boss Angela Bruno. We have Anna Paquin playing Peggy Sheeran, Frank's daughter. And again, just lots and lots of just small, small roles, like Sebastian Maniscalco plays Crazy Joe Gallo. 
Action Bronson is the casket uh, seller at the end and sells De Niro his casket. Basically, if you see a person in this movie, there's someone. So let's get into this climax. So Hoffa is sent to prison for fraud, and they call it going to college, right? Or going to school? Going to school, Going yeah. to school. They go to school, aka they go to jail. When he is away, Frank Fitzsimmons is appointed president of the union, and the mob likes Fitz more than Hoffa because he gives out loans a lot easier. And also, he doesn't have as big a mouth as Hoffa, because Hoffa's like a big character. He's got a big mouth. Big boy mouth. <laughs> Once Hoffa is out of prison, he starts campaigning for his, st- his spot as president again, and he ruffles some feathers with the mob. And at that point, a plan is put in motion... In the beginning, we see Frank and Russell driving to Bill Buffalino's daughter's wedding. And as we watch the movie, see their beginning and their growth, we get to the point where we find out that the mob is orchestrating killing Jimmy Hoffa. And unfortunately, Sheeran is the one who has to do it because Sheeran and Hoffa are very good friends. After flying to Detroit... Getting to the house, which will be the spot with the murder, a whole fish conversation, picking up Hoffa, a second (laughs) fish conversation, we see Frank finally kill Hoffa and then fly back to Russell and they attend Bill Buffalino's daughter's wedding, a a slow motion wedding for no reason. At that point, the mob cremates Hoffa, hides his car, and makes him disappear. And then that's basically the climax of the the movie. It's all downhill after that yeah so after frank shoots hoffa he goes back to meet russ and then we hear you know through narration from frankie a little bit about who died who done it and who went to jail for a variety of reasons and this brings us to russ and frank behind bars in their old age russ ends up dying behind bars after going to church he says he goes to church then he went to the hospital and then he went to the graveyard And Frank has a coming of faith moment and goes before a priest. We assume that he confesses his crimes since the priest asks him if he feels any remorse. Frank responds, no, in a little bit of a nervous way. He did have this nervous stutter about him, but the priest tells him not even for the families. Frank says, I didn't even know the families. And, you know, the priest tells him just because you didn't know the families doesn't mean you could feel remorse, which Hey, Frankie, you've been around Italians this long. How does guilt not run through your veins at this point? Come on. true. Very true. Right? All right. Very true. (laughs) The uh, FBI show up one more time to try to get information out of Frank, and it appears old Frankie's going to take this story to the grave with him. Our movie ends up with him in a nursing home after the priest leaves for the holidays, and our pal Frankie can't sleep with the door fully closed out of paranoia some habits die hard is it just me or is this the quickest we've ever wrapped up the climax and the ending no it was good it was good we we... maybe we should do more mob movies (laughs) more three hour long mob movies oh god the uh the foreshadowing i will say so let me preface this by saying the first time I watched this movie was the very first time Danielle and I said that we were going to do this movie back in like March. My mom had it on and we actually found it on Sling. Mm-hmm. If you have Sling, it was on um, some station and I don't think she watched it on Netflix. I think she found it on Sling because we watched it in the middle, I think. Mm-hmm. So I only saw the second half of the movie and then watched the beginning. So you know what? Me, 
It's so funny that you say this because when I first watched this movie, my dad put it on and then my mom and I left to go somewhere and when I came back, the movie was still on. So, because it's three hours long. So then I watched the second half of the movie as well. So it's funny that we both originally just watched the second half of this movie. So it's interesting because if you, you know, if you only watch like part of it, you totally miss the major foreshadowing event, in my opinion, which is the conversation between Russ and Frank at the, I think it was a diner while they're on this drive with their wives taking smoke breaks every two miles, <laughs> where Frank. Russ says to Frank that he has to, I had to get you involved with this. Otherwise, I ne- you would have never let it happen. And so, you know, Frank looks like he's almost going to cry at this point. Yeah. Because he became such good friends with Jimmy. But not only that, he, Frank's a military man. So he's a good old boy. Somebody tells him to do something. He does it. That's it. There's yeah. no question, literally no questions asked ever. Nope. Right? So... the only time that Frank broke this was when he tried to convince Jimmy to not run for the union again to kind of like back off and you know you don't really understand that you don't understand the level of how he has to get involved and you don't understand how close Frank and Russ are if you miss the beginning of the movie because Russ saved Frank's life with an quote unquote an odd job that he picked up which could have easily gotten him killed. Yeah. So we don't necessarily know for sure at this point that Frank will paint the house with Jimmy or that Frank is going to be the one to paint the house. But when it comes, uh, when it actually does happen and you, you know, watch this whole thing, you understand that the first piece of this foreshadowing, this was like Hansel and Gretel foreshadowing. Like the first crumb was placed when they met and they became friends and he saves his life and he's indebted to him and he says anything I do for him I just do I don't take any money for it it's a sign of respect so that like led up to this giant conversation and once that I mean I saw the second half of the movie but once that happens I'm like oh this makes perfect sense like I was shocked when he was killed but I it all connects now because Russ took care of Frank, and then Frank did what Russ needed to have done. Yeah. I really love the terminology, Hansel and Gretel effect, because I think, I forget what episode we were talking about, a Goldilocks effect. So I have all the effects. (laughs) (laughs) We got all uh, children's story effects. Yeah, you know, just like your regular children's story theme in your mob movie. When's the princess and the pea effect going to happen? Oh, wait, I can't find a good movie for that. So I made a bet with myself since you decided to make bets last episode. Did you, did you or did you not, honestly, did you gasp when Frank killed Jimmy? No, I didn't. Really? Damn it. I didn't gasp because I saw the second half of the movie and I think I already knew that it happened. Also, this may just happen, I mean, I, this kind of goes into our later segments, but for some reason I wasn't emotionally invested in this movie, so if I'm not emotionally invested in it, I'm not gonna gasp, unfortunately. So I even didn't... the first time you saw it, even the first half, you didn't gasp? No, I didn't gasp. Because I don't even think you need to be emotionally invested. I think it was just like the shock value. Because... 
I mentioned this later on, nobody really knows what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. No. This, this is just Scorsese's take on it. Yeah, it is. Uh, no, I, di- I didn't gasp. It didn't really shock me, unfortunately. It caught, it caught me by surprise. See, I did you know about Jimmy Hoffa before you watched this movie? So when I first heard about this movie and I heard what it was about... I remember watching part of Hoffa, which is a movie where Jack Nicholson plays Jimmy Hoffa. Okay. And I watched part of it, but so I kind of knew who, who he was. I knew he was the president of the Teamsters and that he disappeared, but I didn't really know like the ins and outs of it. So. Okay. This movie kind of brought to life more of that for me, the ins and outs of things, but. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, mm-hmm. for those of you who have listened to our Toy Story episode, Steve and Chris, Chris has a mild obsession. I don't know if obsession is the right word. A strong interest okay. in Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. Like he would come over and just like talk about this stuff. I remember a, a few times at my dining room table. Um, and so I think the first time I heard Hoffa's name was out of Chris's mouth. Really? Yeah, I think when I was in college or like right out of college, maybe in grad school. I don't know. It was an older time. Chris, if you're listening, dial in and let us know. And I'll <laughs> fix it on the next episode. Yeah, but I remember, I think Chris actually educated me on Jimmy Hoffa. You know what I thought was really good that they brought up in the movie? Later when uh, Sheeran is in the, hos- in the hospital, in the old person's home, and he's looking at old pictures, and th- he goes to the nurse, do you know who that is? She's like, no, yeah. who is that? It's like, she's, it's Jimmy Hoffa. And she's like, who? And she, like, doesn't know who that is. I feel like that's very true to our generation, because in the movie, they play up that millions of people know who he was, because he did have such power back in the day. And he was such a political figure and he did so much for the Teamsters that everyone knew who he he was. And then he just kind of fell off the face of history to the point where we like, who's the current president of the Teamsters? Do you know? I don't know. (laughs) And the tippy taps. Tip, 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 tip. See, that's how you know we're not AI because we just know that information off the top of our heads. This is true. James Philip Hoffa. I just Googled it. That's Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, that's what came up. Oh, weird. I mean, is there... I, 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 that's, that's weird. I just Googled who is the current president of the Teamsters. And it's, it's, I could share my screen with you if you want. It says James Philip Hoffa. Interesting. You know what? We'll get in. We'll figure that out next time. We'll get back to you on that one. Oh, that's creepy. I don't like that. All right. Oh, my God. Now Go- we had the CIA coming after us. Now the ma. Oh, my God. There's too many pro- people. Google's Danielle. probably just listening to us. Our computer. What? Our, you know how technology listens to us? They probably know we're talking about this. So they're just like, oh, you're looking for information on Jimmy Hoffa, right? Here you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, so do you want to get into our second half of this? We've already started. Yeah. We, we basically started getting into it anyway. We we did. Uh, should I sing my paranoia song again? <laughs> no, I'll cue the music. The fun will never stop. The fun will never stop. Oh, the fun never stops, huh? Yeah. So um, IMDb gave this a 7.9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. 
And the review that I found was a nine out of 10. But I chose this review because I love everything about this. And SN3Z29, you can hang with us. (laughs) Listen up. Everybody sit down and listen up. Title, Gangster Avengers Born for Netflix. This film is super long. Too long to sit in the cinema for, a, for as fantastic as it looks. I ran out of snacks. I was so gripped, I didn't go to the toilet, which meant my bladder was bursting, only adding to the tension. This is pretty much the Avengers of the gangster movies, where all of your favorite people are in one film, written by the best writer and directed by the best director. Only Walken and Woods are missing. Oh my God. Who... You are my soulmate. Whoever you are, marry me tomorrow. More. Making De Niro young kind kind of works and isn't as distracting as I thought. And Pacino is fantastic. If you expect Pesci to be the nut job he was in the other Scorsese's movies, then think again. And this is no bad thing. Pesci is one of the best actors alive with a fantastic range. And this movie proves it. The Irishman is lovely to look at but for god's sakes take a leak before you go or wait (laughs) (laughs) but for god's sakes take a leak before you go or wait for its netflix debut which you can watch it with whiskey and pause for comfort breaks (laughs) who are you who are you i love you now i can't get the thought of Christopher Walken in this movie out of my head because that would have been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. this person, I'm telling you, man, like, I believe in soulmates. <laughs> Sorry, I'm pausing because I'm just thinking about this in my head, like, where Christopher Walken could have been inserted and how great it would have been. It, it doesn't matter. Throw him in any scene. <laughs> I just, like... You know, like, they tell you that there are people that are just like you that exist in the world. And I think I may have found a person. I think I may have found a person who is just like me somewhere out in the world. Which maybe, maybe I don't want to marry me because I'm a, ha- I'm a handful and a half. But well, this, is, this is me. You've heard my theory that there is an exact carbon copy of us, but the opposite gender out there in the world. Like, I firmly believe that there is a male version of me walking around somewhere that looks exactly like me and acts exactly like me. I don't know if they look exactly like us, but they probably definitely act exactly like us. Maybe this is your, your, your counterpart. Your exact duplicate. SM3Z29, email us at twogirlswatchtv at gmail.com. I want to know who you are. Let's go. We'll have you on the podcast. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this a 96% rating, and the audience gave it an 86%. Probably because they didn't feel like sitting there. So I'm actually going to read mine as opposed to a nine-star review. I want to read a three-star review. Do it. This review says, Surprisingly plotting and drawn out and lacking real texture and drama, none of the women in the film come to life can't be mentioned in the same breath as the great crime films such as Reservoir Dogs and Good Fellows. Oh, no. (laughs) Not to mention Godfather Part 1 and 2, but he wrote GF Part 1 and Part 2. The only reason I picked this is to just make fun of this person for saying Good Fellows. What is Good Fellows? 
That, listen, that changes everything. I need someone to do a YouTube parody and make Goodfellows where it's just Brits. Oh, but please, please <laughs> do the scene with, um, oh my God, I don't know what it's called, but the scene where he's like, do I make you laugh? Oh, Dost, dost thou make thy chuckle, <laughs> Goodfellow? <laughs> a Shakespeare rendition of Goodfellas, Goodfellows. Oh my God, I would love it. it. Oh man! For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. Does that work? Which nobody can deny. Hey, grenade! (laughs) Oh, the the tiki bar blows up. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, So do you want to get into our highs and lows? Yes. So <clears throat> I my have highs. A, I have a feeling that you and, like, your opinion and my opinion are going to clash in this movie. Okay. All right. Okay. You, you may go first. So, I mean, I really thought Robert De Niro was the highlight in this movie. I thought his acting was great. Really? Yeah. No, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. So I appreciated the nervous stammer in certain situations. I liked, I just thought that this was different. It was different for him. It gotcha. was because like, so our generation, when we think of Robert De Niro, what do we think of? Meet the parents. No, I actually think of Goodfellas, and then I think of Silver Linings Playbook. I th- okay, okay, okay. So you went, you went way before and way ahead. Yeah. If you had a gun to my head, there's a theme here, right? Gun okay. to head. This is a lot in the movie. So if you put a gun to my head and you were like, Robert De Niro, movie, go. I'd be like, God, meet the parents. Because that's the first, the, I think as a kid, that was the first thing I saw him in. I saw Goodfellas later on, and obviously Silver Linings Playbook came out later. Yeah. Um, so this was different. This was a different type of, these were different mannerisms. You know, I, my favorite scene of Robert De Niro ever, I think is in Meet the Fockers. Mm-hmm. And some people will like snub me for this, but I tell you, I cry <laughs> while laughing and screaming like a damn banshee all at the same time. <laughs> when they're in the RV, and he's with Ben Stiller. And he's like, Greg, you want a cappuccino? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'd like a cappuccino. And he wakes up. I forget his wife's name in the movie. But he's like, get up and make Greg a cappuccino. Put a leg on it, woman. And he's like, Jesus, Jesus, it's okay. I don't need it. And just like the way he yells, get in here and make Greg a cappuccino. <laughs> I So, like, to hear, like, the overly confident, overly assertive mob guy to like this. Yeah. I thought it was a different change of pace. Yeah. So I liked it. Okay. I also liked Ray Romano's performance. He was uh, very good. Listen, I love Ray Romano. I think I everybody loves Raymond. Like we grew up with that show playing on in the background. It's hilarious. Yeah. There's a side by side image, which I'll send to you or like they could just Google it, whatever. It's pretty spot on of, um, what the hell is his Bill name? Buffalino. Bill Buffalino. Yeah. And and Ray Romano with the glasses and everything. It's pretty spot on. Okay. So they got Just, that makeup right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I didn't say anything about the CGI and the makeup. I just said it about De Niro's acting. Okay. It was different and I, I dig it. Okay. The scene, um, there were a bunch of scenes from behind Creek doors, you know, you know uh, what's happening in the actual scene, but like we're behind it. This repeats throughout. I like that, you know, this whole like, mob mentality where you're being watched or you're doing the watching i thought that was on par with the theme mm-hmm. my favorite part which is going to make me sound pretty cold i don't care when frank shoots jimmy yeah right it's not a big dramatic thing right because this is the climax yeah and ironically enough this is the one part that's not stretched out it's like bang bang done bang bang drag drag slam the door that's it right so it's like that's so you know a lot of times in climaxes they play like the slow music you hear like the stretched out voices everything's in slow-mo there's like a narration over it there was no narration over him killing him there was no second thought about it there was no like struggling there was none of like him even making eye contact with jimmy and partially because he couldn't look jimmy in the eye and we all knew that like everybody else he just bop bop in the face he couldn't look jimmy in the eye because then he probably wouldn't be able to do it yeah but this you know played into his militant character he was in the military he didn't think twice he obeys orders done boom so i like that they didn't um sacrifice that aspect of his character yeah for the climax okay uh, i also appreciated the irony that the movie was three and a half hours long and the climax was like boom boom drag drag done but then so, we had to watch a whole buffalino wedding in slow motion as they're walking down the aisle what was the point that's of the one slow of my motion? lows actually oh so my yeah god there were a couple of scenes here that were stretched out. So in the beginning, I thought like, oh, they're doing a long, um, oh my God, I forget the actual name. Oh, crane shot. They're doing a long crane shot in the beginning to set the scene. There were a lot of these long scenes, not all of them being crane shots. Um, you know, the long pan of walking down the aisle. I don't need to see everybody's face. The, I get it. I get the picture. The thing is, is that... Scorsese is famous for that, especially in Goodfellas, that one long continuous scene of... um, But it's one. It's one scene, yes. It's the one scene of them coming in the back door, uh, why am I blanking, Uh, Henry and uh, what's his wife's name, no, Janice? No, it's not Janice, Janice is his, uh, oh my god, he yells at her, Karen, Karen, there we go. (laughs) Of Henry and Karen coming in the back door and going through the restaurant and then them bringing a table out and them getting a front seat. That's one long continuous shot and it is something that Scorsese is famous for. I agree with you. But the long drawn out, the multiple long drawn out, the turning and the this and the that. It's It's a crane shot. It's called a crane shot. Just so unnecessary. No, you're, you're right. I just, it, a lot, a couple of scenes went on, you know, if we got rid of those scenes, the movie might be two hours. <laughs> there were so many things that could have been cut that did not, it did not need to be this long. Right. So the, but particularly in the wedding scene, Bill Bu- uh, Buffalino has his wedding ring on as he's walking down the aisle. Yeah. It's not his well, wedding. It's his daughter's wedding. Oh, you're right. I've, I messed that up in my brain. <laughs> I messed that up in my brain. 
Um, I think that can be a nod to the ages these characters are supposed to be, and you're just like, the what age the character is supposed to be and what age the characters actually look don't add up in this movie. Because the ages, they all look a certain age, and it's all just a, it's, it's a yeah. mess. It's a complete mess. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, the CGI was not bad. But, um, it, but it wasn't good. <laughs> it was somewhere in between. Uh, because, you know, well, CGI and blue contacts can change a man, Danielle. Oh my god, why did his eyes need to be blue? They look so Well, because creepy. look at a picture of Frank Sheeran. Still, it was just creepy. It didn't look realistic. I used to have blue up contacts. You never told me I didn't look realistic. <laughs> Hashtag not AI. <laughs> that was different. I feel like they should have just given him blue contacts. It would have looked more realistic than what they were trying to do to his eyes. Oh, I thought he had blue contacts. No, they probably edited that in afterwards. Oh. <laughs> so was one of your lows the CGI and the aging technology? No, um, no, I mostly focused on the wedding, and then I focused on the over... So this movie didn't need to be three and a half hours long. No. So here's how my... Like, this is what I was thinking. As I'm watching it, we could have shrunk this down and made it a normally timed movie, or stretch it out into a mini-series, where you go through the backstory of each of their lives, and then maybe how they all connect together, and you could have made a nice mini-series out of it. I, I could agree with that, definitely, because I felt like Net, like Scorsese is such like an amazing director. He's truly an amazing person, and I feel like Netflix took this uh, respect your elders ideology and gave it to Scorsese and did not, he didn't edit a single thing. Were there scenes cut from this movie? I know I personally could like point out a bunch of scenes that could have been cut from this movie that were completely unnecessary and it would have been in a normal time period like three hours of a movie is too much I i'm sure i'm sure there were scenes that were cut but that makes me scared for how long this movie originally was could have well, been a five hour movie a lot of times you usually have you know depending but a lot of times you have three times the amount of what's there so, you know, they probably had scenes that were cut. They probably filmed scenes multiple times. So they, they easily had, like, nine hours worth of stuff that they had to go through, find the best scene, maybe cut pieces out here and there. But I, I don't know. I think this was – I think Scorsese was just doing his thing. But it was, it was his thing for three and a half hours. It was – in my opinion, it was too long, and it really did – it lost my interest <laughs> in it. It took me three sittings to watch this movie because I was just like, A, I didn't have the time, and B, I was just like, I I need a break because I can't focus on this movie anymore. Um, I was binge watching The Sopranos at one point, so that might have been like my prep work for this. So I can't really, I can't really, I'm going to have to, I think when we go into the IRL moments, I'm going to have to explain why I, I mean i watched it in two sittings but that's because i was painting my house literally literally figuratively and you know we took a break while we waited for half the room to dry and then i went back in and then i woke up this morning and watched the rest of it yeah so but i don't think i needed that break i think i could have sat there and watched i mean i probably would have gotten up to stretch yeah that's a long time to sit down but Definitely. 
I, yeah, I, I think I would have stretched it out that way. I think I would have made it either just like a, um, in a, a traditional time of a movie. So like trimming off at least an hour yeah, or, you know, stretch it out and make it a mini series. They could have done that. I think it would have been, I, I could see it being a mini series, but I don't know if Scorsese has ever done. I think he's mostly movies, right? I think so. I, I don't, he probably has done some television. I feel like most directors have, um, can I get into my lows? I'm going to do my lows first and my highs. Okay. I, kind of, I touched on it before. I did not like the aging technology, and I really don't understand why they couldn't get young actors to play Pesci and De Niro when they flashback. They e- could have easily done it, because I feel like their wives, as they got older, they kept the same wives, and they didn't age the wives, but they aged those two characters, and their ages didn't mesh up. For some reason, it like it did not look like their ages were in line. It, they, the wives look like their daughters, not their actual wives. Well, just so just be aware that uh, she uh, Frank got a new wife. Yes, so she I, was younger. Yeah, I don't know. It it just it didn't. I didn't like. I feel like they could have gotten away with getting young actors to do it. I feel like they didn't need to keep them both because I remember. After my dad watched the three hours long, he kept on the commentary with the director and the actors, and Scorsese had to say to him, like both Pesci and De Niro that in certain scenes, you need to act a certain way because they are older. They're in their 80s at this point. Uh, 70s, sorry. 70s, late 70s. And they had to act, like they had to run up the stairs a little bit faster because... They're so used to doing it a little bit slower because they are the age that they are. So that I didn't really like. Also, I don't know why Peggy had to be a central character and they got a great actress like Anna Paquin to play her, but then they only gave her a few lines. I don't understand that at all. They just kind of threw Peggy in there to be like a judgmental person and just to stare at them and be afraid of them, but to love Hoffa and then not talk to her dad. But we never hear from her because she doesn't speak in the movie. She's just staring at them. I don't understand that mentality. They should have given her more depth of a character. Okay, just to clarify, Al Pacino's 80. Yes. Um, and then the other two are like 76 and 77, okay. Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. Okay. I don't necessarily know if I would make her have a voice because I think this is more of a symbolism thing than anything. I think her not speaking, because at first I was like, bleep me out. I was like, way to go, you little but Now you got this guy like beaten up on the side of the road. But I think in reality, that was like, so you going to your dad, and me going when my dad was alive, like if we had a problem, we would go to our fathers and they would, you know, they would take care of it. But when N- Not in the way that Sheeran would take care of it, to clarify. Right. Not, not, not in that, in that well, way. But, but that's what I'm getting at. But that's what I'm getting at, right? So like my father would be like, this is my, bleep me out or take it out. But my, my father was aggressive at saying like, this is my daughter. How dare you do this to my daughter? Do you know who I am? Yeah. Et cetera. Yeah. Was you know my my um, dad would do the same exact thing, and it, I but I feel like the 
other daughter, when he goes to her at the end, kind of fills in the blanks here. So again, it's that breadcrumb effect. She sees this. She says like, yeah, this guy hurt me. And you want to go to your dad for protection. If you're a daddy's girl, that's what you want to do. That's what we've done. Yeah. So she, and then, but then she sees this and she's horrified and she can't even look at her father again mm-hmm. because she saw the way that he gets. So when the, the other daughter, I don't remember her name, the blonde. Yeah. Yeah. She, he goes to her and, and she, and she's crying and she's like, we could never go to you for protection. We knew what you did. So it was never like, okay for us to come to you when we had a problem. Do you know how difficult that is for a child? And it's true. Like, I think she was forever horrified. She also loved Jimmy Hoffa. And I think deep down, she knew that her father killed him based on this movie. No, she definitely knew. And that's when she stopped talking to him. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I understand that, but I still wish that she could have been more of a character. Maybe I'm just comparing it too much to Goodfellas, where Karen was such a central figure and she had a voice to her and we got to see her point of view, where we really, we know what Peggy's point of view is, but we never hear her speak. I don't, like, we hear her speak sometimes, but then we never hear her speak. She's just a judgmental little, like, staring at her dad. I don't know. I just, I wish she could have been more of a character. Well, I think that the women were, I think in your review, the women were snubbed in this movie. I don't think it was supposed to be about, you know, that at all. I don't, I I don't, I agree, but uh, I don't know. I just wish they could, I, if you're casting someone like Anna Paquin, I wish she would have been more of a character. Danielle. What? Do you want them to go have a cup of coffee? I I want to hear Anna Paquin's side of the story. I want a second. You need two more minutes. I need a, (laughs) I need a... 15-minute movie about Anna Paquin, about Peggy Sheeran. Oh, what the hell? We're already at three and a half hours. What's another 15 minutes? Give me a mini film about, a short film about uh, the Irish woman, Peggy Sheeran. Ah. Okay, so those were my lows. My high was the set design and the wardrobe, where the makeup lacked, the set design and the wardrobe came through because it was fantastic the howard johnson breakfast spot they got that down to a t like they had some great set design um and i really think i wasn't so much of a fan of de niro but i was a huge and pesci was okay but not my favorite pesci role i mean my cousin Vinny. forget about it okay that's a different character different character completely but Al Pacino, I feel like he really stole the yeah. show in this movie. His acting was fantastic, and he really nailed the charisma that Hoffa has. Whenever you hear someone speak of Jimmy Hoffa, like he, he's so such a charismatic person, and I yeah. think that Hoffa really encompassed that because he is able to be that presidential figure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I think that Robert, I think that Nero was good, but I agree with what you said about Al Pacino. Hell of a lot better than Scarface. I will say that. You know, I don't think, I've never seen Scarface. Don't bother. Okay. I Just listen to John Mulaney's bit. You're fine. Okay. I uh, recently was watching, I never finished it. I don't know why I didn't finish it. I need to finish it. Hunters on Netflix. Pacino's in that, and he plays a Jewish Nazi hunter. Oh, it's very interesting, and it was actually filmed on my street in uh, New York. They filmed uh, part of it there. 
But okay. he's he's really good in that. And I feel like now he's been doing a lot, and he's been doing, at 80 years old, he's killing it. Good for uh, Wait, Al Pacino. Did you say Mind Hunter or just Hunters? Hunters. Okay, okay. Mind Hunter is something different. I thought you might different. have gotten, like, cut out, and I was like, I don't remember him in Mind Hunter, but that sounds great. No, no, no. Hunters is on uh, Amazon Prime right now. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's very good. Is it time? Oh, I need a I need a crinkly. It's time. Does this work? Yeah. That does not work. That was the most anticlimactic crinkly. Maybe to go along with this anticlimactic movie. <gasps> wow. I went there, didn't I? Here. Snack break. Snack break. So I didn't have a snack, but I had a break. <laughs> Like I said, I watched the first hour. This was like my break between painting and then I went back to painting. And it was good because I got to digest the first half of it. Because like I said, I watched the, the first time I watched it, I only watched the second half. But then I watched the second half this morning and I, I watched it curled up in my bed. And I have a loft. So how did I watch it in my bed, you ask? I'm so glad that you did. I purchased, this is not sponsored, a bed shelf, which you just like screw on the side of my bed and it is big enough to exactly fit my MacBook. Oh, perfect. Or I can have my iPad like, and it has like a little indentation for it to stand up. I put, or sometimes like I put my book and my reading lamp up there and it's just like, and my phone up there and it just all hangs off the side of my bed. That's right above Otis. And it hasn't clocked him in the head. He hasn't that, that scares me because as you know, sometimes you talk with our hands. I feel like I would easily knock my MacBook off and like. It has it edges. Would, oh, it has edges. Yeah, it's not so going it, can, it has bumpers, yep. so you can't drop it. No bumpers. <laughs> I like my bed shelves like I like my bowling lanes with bumpers. It's like uh, when you're a little kid and your parents are afraid of you rolling out of bed, so they need to get you like the bed rails. Yes. Yeah. Very I nice. I for quite some time. <laughs> I like I said I watched this in three sittings and uh, coffee you need coffee when watching this movie gotta stay alert you gotta you gotta stay awake for it you may miss something should have had you should have had a nice espresso should have had a V8 uh -huh. <laughs> nice espresso with some or, or some sambuca in your coffee oh, on. set the mood get a ganole on the side Make Greg a cappuccino! <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, my expectation versus reality, moving right along. Yes. As I said before, we don't know what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. So, a quick Google search, you can find this information too. His whereabouts are still unknown to this day. In fact, if you Google him, he disappeared. He has been listed as disappeared since July 30th, 1975. He was 62 years old at the, at the time of his disappearance. And it was uh, somewhere in Michigan, I believe Bloomfield, Michigan. Yeah. I wasn't sure in terms of the storyline, how and why Jimmy went missing. I didn't know what they were going to do there. I didn't know how they were going to explain it and why. Because, and you know, I was talking about this movie with a bunch of people who were alive during this time. And a lot of them said, I didn't know that he was missing in Michigan. I thought he went missing in like the, the tri-state area. They oh, didn't really? know that he was, yeah. Well, he's from Chicago. Right, but they just thought that, I guess because of like the Philly thing, and they just thought like maybe the tri-state area... 
yeah. is where he went missing. They didn't think that he went all the way out to Michigan. So Well, he would, I mean, it wouldn't be all the way out to Michigan because if he was going from Chicago to Michigan, that's not that far. Right, but the Teamsters Union was where? Chicago. It was? Yeah. Well, I know he was Chicago-based, and a lot of the time he was in Chicago. No, 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 I'm right. sorry. The Teamsters Union was based in D.C. Because they yeah, kept showing shots of him in D.C. Yeah. But at the time, he wasn't president of the Teamsters when he went missing. So he would be home-based in Chicago. Well, right, because he was in jail. So then he had, when he came out of jail, when he, when he got out of school, yeah. he... Um, he started to run again against, what was his name? Fitz? Fitz, yeah. Something. It's, yeah, no, it's, um, blah, 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 blah. Frank Fitzsimmons. That's it. Right, so, but that was, uh, that's like the headquarters, I think. Right, but since he wasn't president of the Teamsters, he would be home in Chicago, and at the time, he was at his lake house, which is somewhere in Michigan, on Lake Michigan. Right, 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 right. So, at the time, he was still in his, like, home, his home and his summer home, so it makes sense to me that he was, he disappeared somewhere in Michigan. Yeah, see, I think a lot of people thought that he was still in the area at the time. Like, I'm not talking about from the movie, I'm talking about in real life. In real life, yeah. Yeah. I didn't really have a whole lot of expectations. I just mostly went into this with questions as to how and why they were going to portray, you know, what happened. Because everywhere it's still listed that, it, I mean, I'm uh, he's probably not alive, but. Well, if he was 62 and it was, what, 1970-something? Yeah. Yeah, he's over 100 now, so. Yeah, he's like a, he's, plus. If he's alive somewhere. <laughs> Who's taking care of him? That's the question, because he can't be taken care of by himself. He's probably dead at this point. I think we can safely assume that. I think we can also safely assume that he's been dead pre-2020. And if not, 2020 definitely got him, because we're living in a plague. Yes. What about you? So, I remember seeing the commercial. I'm sure you remember it, too. It was during the Super Bowl. And it's the bullets falling down, and it's just the list of names that are going to be in this movie. De Niro, Pesci, Pacino, Harvey Keitel, Ray Romano, and you just see all of them, and then directed by Martin Scorsese, and then it gave you the date of when it's being released. And that it was also being released on Netflix, because I remember it came out in theaters, but at the same time it was released, it was also on Netflix. And I remember getting so amped up about this, being so excited. I was like, oh, heck yes, this is going to be great. And then, like, hearing about what it's about, because it, during that commercial, you really just get the names of the people. You don't know what it's about. And then you realize right. it's about Jimmy Hoffa, and you're like, okay, that's going to be really interesting. Going to see what Scorsese decides to do with it. Then <laughs> I was at my friend's wedding, and there was a drunken conversation between my one friend and my other friend's boyfriend where they're like, the Irishman is coming out. It's three and a half hours. And they had this conversation. And then the next morning, we're getting bagels and both <laughs> the same conversation. The Irishman is coming out. It's three and a half hours. And I just look at them. I'm like, yeah, you guys had this conversation last night. And they both started laughing because they didn't remember having the conversation. <laughs> Same exact conversation, word I assume for word. there was an open bar at this wedding. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> then I finally watched part of it, and 
I and then I watched it this time and honestly uh, didn't meet my expectations I wanted it to be so much better than it actually was I was not a fan of it and I typically measure it this way if I try I'm probably not gonna watch this movie again this is not like it's not a movie I'm gonna so you watch went again. in with your expectations too high yeah yeah and I feel like it was so built up and then when it finally came out I'm like uh it's not it's not there it's not there for me it's not it's just not there I just don't I'm not I want to like it but I don't like it it's okay okay thank it's you okay that being said I love everyone in this movie I love the director I love Scorsese vote for her for Miss America <laughs> I don't want you to think less of me, but this movie just... I don't think less of you. How dare you? Not you. I'm saying our oh. our audience. I don't want oh. you all to think less of me, but this just was not for me. It didn't... It, it's just not for me. I have to go watch Goodfellas now. That's what I'm watching later on today. Oh, that's a good one. Love, maybe I'll movie. add that to my list. All right, let's go into these IRL moments because I have to pee. My IRL moments, there were a few. So the way that they talk to each other, right? This I felt like I was watching it with my father. I feel um, like in Down this, to uh, the golden, gaudy pinky rings. Oh, my God. Your dad did. I feel like in this episode, you've let the New Jersey Italian accent fly. Where in other episodes, it's held back. But this one, forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> But also it's been, it's been, it's been coming, you know, because I'm home and I'm only with Deborah all the time. Oh gosh. Like I answered the phone one day and I was like, hello. And somebody was like, oh, hello. And I, was like, <laughs> I don't sound like that. And they're like, well, you're just kind of letting it, you know, you're giving it free reign. Exactly. These days. I was like, I don't have a choice. This is what I live with now. <laughs> but so I, listen, I grew up hearing it is what it is. Sometimes it is what it is, right? Yeah. But I think that was just like my father coming up with a cooler, tougher way to say like, because I said so, or yeah. I'm your father. So it like added to the variety of what he would say to me. That whole scene reminded me, my father showed me, I'm assuming that you've heard of Abbott and Costello's Who's On First. Yes. If you are listening to this and you do not know Abbott and Costello's Who's on first? One, what rock are you living under? Two, pause this, go on YouTube, pause. watch it. Yes, because the whole time they're like, this scene, and then when he's talking about, like, when he blew up the um, the sewing, oh, the, the clothing. The wash and folds, the, the dry cleaners. Yeah, he's like, do you know, you know who's got stakes in this? And he goes, no, do you? He goes, yeah, I do. He goes, you do? You know who? He goes, no, I do. I was like, I don't know, third base. <laughs> And then he's like, it is what it is. And he's like, it is what it is. And I was like, I don't know, third base. <laughs> <laughs> I just get, and like, these were like serious moments. I feel like it was just like the Italian version of Larry Moe and Curly. Yeah. The Italian American version of that, where it's just, oh God, it was so funny. This is it the was... second uh, podcast where you brought up uh, Abbott and Costello, because you brought it up in uh, Where'd You Go Bernadette too. I did? Yeah, because you said the FBI agent was uh, like Abbott and Costello. No, I said it was like Larry Moe and Curly. Oh. Oh, Three Stooges. What is wrong with me? It's okay. It's oh, okay. God. It's okay. I associate those two, those two acts in my brain. Separate. Those five Separate people brain. in my brain. They're all one. 
But I did I did bring the Larry Moe and Curly reference up twice. The three stooges. <laughs> so I'm watching this and I think it's hilarious. That and when he goes Tony and he goes, Which one? Oh yeah. It's like not Tony, the other Tony. And he's like, Everybody's named Tony. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. What, you Italians don't have any other names? Tony, Tony, Tony. There we didn't get to have it this year because like Easter was cancelled. But when we have our reunion on my dad's side if you turn around and say like frankie sally or joey i think it's those three names yeah maybe tommy uh the entire room turns around the entire room turns around when you say those names it's like in my big fat greek wedding nick 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 nicky everyone's name nick that's yep that's exactly what it is (laughs) did you have any irl moments so this one's actually pretty funny, and this is what okay. I'm going to close you out on. So okay. the scene where Sheeran kills Crazy Joe Gallo, Sebastian Maniscalco, at Umberto's Clam House in Little Italy, that is still a thing. Umberto's Clam House is still in Little Italy. I have passed it, but it's a different location because the original Umberto's burned down. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Probably not by itself. But I remember talking to my parents um, and telling and saying like, oh, yeah, we went to Little Italy. You know, we passed this place, Umberto's Clown, the Clown House. (laughs) (laughs) It was a clown house. Uh, We passed this uh, place, you know, Umberto's Clam House. And the restaurant we went to was around the corner. And I found out the story that when my parents were first dating, my dad decided to take my mom to Umberto's Clam House. And when they sat down to eat, my dad decided to tell my mother that some mob guy got killed in this very restaurant. Maybe Joe Gallo. Probably. Because that was (laughs) happening and it was around the same time. And my mom (laughs) freaked out. She's like, Joe, you took me to a place where someone got killed. What are you doing? What are you talking about? Like, just, well, she wouldn't say, what are you talking about? She's a Medigon. But she was so pissed at him because she's like, why on earth would you bring me to this restaurant where someone got murdered while they were eating dinner? My dad didn't have an answer, but it was very, very fun. Probably because the clams were good or something like that. sounds about right but i thought it was so funny because i was watching this with my dad and they brought up umberto's and i'm like dad it's umberto's he's like yeah no it's a good place we'll have to go there sometime when nobody's dying <laughs> exactly so the one other piece before we go into our contact us and all that stuff i do have a piece of fan mail and i got the aok to read it Ooh, okay so yeah this is from bruce hello ladies which is another show that you need to watch i digress <laughs> I'm typing to you today to say I'm glad that you two are still recording even during the quarantine. I would have been upset if you hadn't and I would have been pestering Christina about it. It still makes me smile to know I had a silent nod in your Christmas episode and I don't remember if I had another shout out before. I was trying to find the episode before typing this. I got sidetracked listening to Parks and Rec because it's my favorite episode. Other than Stranger Things, Toy Story, Kipple, my possible mysterious shout out episode question mark, (laughs) and Parasite. Let me know if we're making Cena watch Midsummer. I'm about that life. <laughs> That's it. Midsummer going on the list. No. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I'll prepare for the headache. I'll take Advil. <laughs> Hopefully you gals continue on your epic quest to review and talk about shows and movies as I look forward to your crinkling 
your snack bags and yelling snack break. It literally makes me laugh every time. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to catch up on two girls drink beer. P.S. Welcome to the family, Otis, your biggest fan, who is also ironically 32, Bruce. (laughs) Bruce, that's so sweet. We love you, Bruce. Thank you so much. This is your official shout out on the Irishman episode. Official shout out to Bruce, our longtime listener. Bruce is, yeah, I think Bruce is definitely our biggest fan. If you think you're our biggest fan, then challenge Bruce and and write us some fan mail. I got so freaking excited. The gauntlet is thrown for our listeners. Let's go. (laughs) Fight to the death. And while you're fighting, here's where you can contact us for your wins. (laughs) We're on Instagram and Twitter at Hey It's Two Girls. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Classic Cena. You can find Daniela, Danielle Kobianki on Instagram. Send us an email with suggestions, twogirlswatchtv at gmail.com. You can check out our YouTube channel, Two Girls Drink Beer. And if you want, um, you can check out my blog, beercoffeedonuts.wordpress.com for your coffee and donut and beer references. So thank you all so much so much for listening for buckling. we did it danielle we did it we finally did it i feel fulfilled that we oh. finally did it i'm gonna just like um sn sn3 z29 i also have to pee so we're gonna close this puppy out <laughs> all right see you guys next week bye, bye. all right i am gonna go pee then. What's up?